When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the Monday show. Yes, I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm back. I can hear the cheers from Benwell to Wall's End. And as usual, I'm joined by Aaron Stokes. And this week, plenty to talk about despite the international break. We'll talk about Dan Byrne's new deal and who might be next. Discuss why Gareth Southgate's refusal to pick anyone fresh in the England squad might be a good thing for Newcastle United and look back on the Magpie season so far. So hit that follow button, share the episode and leave us a rating and review. Let's get on with the show. Well, actually, before I do, I just want to say something about last week's episode. Because I tuned in, yes, I've been on holiday, but I did tune in. And uh, I'm very grateful to Newcastle Fans TV, Sam Mulner, for stepping in. He's a great guest. He's an even better guest host when he does get the chance to get into this hot seat. But I can't let his near slanderous comments regarding my well-researched trivia go. Because they were absolutely scandalous. You know, to suggest that I've not been clear or was incorrect in my answers is absolutely cheeky. Alan Smith did play for England while at Newcastle United. He faced Austria in a friendly in November 2007, having signed for Newcastle United earlier that year in the summer. So, Sam, if you're listening, back in your box. But, Aaron, I thought you actually did quite well with that trivia. I did, for once. I thought I uh, performed above average. I did. I do agree with Sam. I think the... It was a little sloppy from you. There wasn't, you know, that clarity that we needed from a good trivia host. And yeah, I think maybe we might have to have a little talk going forward about whether we I was one hundred percent clear. Caps earned while playing for Newcastle United. And every name on that list had earned a cap while playing for Newcastle United. Um but thank you for the comments. Someone called me a, a fraud yeah. in it. Um so whoever that was, thank you very much. Uh you had a good week though? Yeah, uh all right week. I tell you what, I am I'm sick of the international break. I've just lost all interest in national breaks. I mean, I don't know what you feel, but... Well, I'm glad you've come to my my party, because I've been like this for oh, years. I just think it's just... Having one of them is bad enough. Having one in September, October, November is even worse. Um, so, yeah, just... Well, there's another one to come as well. Exactly, I know. Um, yeah, I despise international breaks. I don't like international football. We're going to talk about that later in the show. I mean, it might be the reason you don't like the international break this time around is because you're actually not on holiday. Usually you're offsetting yourself somewhere. I do right? usually take this as an opportunity to, you know, get some well-earned rest and, you know, much-needed um, relaxation time. But, yeah, I've been powering through, working through it, um, dealing with the severe lack of news that we've had out of Newcastle United in recent days. Well, we've found quite a bit to talk about. But I was, I've been down south. I went to the Sea Life Centre, spent the little one's inheritance getting tickets into <laughs> the said centre, but you saw tortoises or turtles and you saw stingrays and sharks. Uh, I'm not sure what Harriet can actually see at this point in her young life, but she was memorised by, by it all, as was I. So the best uh, uh, ticket I think I've bought in recent recent weeks, well, the PSG game aside. <laughs> um, let's start then with Dan Byrne's new deal. The big defenders deal ran until June 2024. Having signed a two-and-a-half-year deal in January 2022 upon his arrival from Brighton, 70 appearances later, 48 
as a left back. I'm not sure many people would have imagined that to be the stat, but that's true, that that is the number. He signed a new deal, taking him until June 2025. I mean, first off, Aaron, it's just a reward for his hard work, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, really pleasing to see that they've you know got that done, and he's obviously signed with improved terms. Um, another year on Tyneside, as you say, I think. When we talk about who deserves a new deal, Dan Byrne's been up there for a long while. Um, so, yeah, very good to see that, that they're tying these players down. And, and there was one part of, of Byrne's um, sort of interview after when he got the contract, and I just want to read it out because I thought it was really, really poignant and I really enjoyed it. And he said... Um, I've got them here. Would you I've would you like to borrow my notes? Yes, I would. Um I said when I signed that I didn't just want to be a stopgap signing to keep us up. I wanted to be here for a long time. And how many people would have thought when Dan Byrne signed in January 22? Oh, very good signing for keeping them in the league. And then they'll go out in the summer and they'll strengthen at centre-back or at left-back. And they haven't done that because of how well he's played. Well, I agree. And I think it's fair to say they wanted Botman in that January. They didn't get him. And they went after Dan Byrne. It was a name that I... I'd be honest, I've said it before, I had no idea who Dan Byrne was and how I've fallen in love with the story of him getting released when he was a young lad and coming back and proving everyone, including myself, wrong. And I think you make an excellent point because not only did people, or what I, what we think, a large a group of people probably thought he'd be on his way by now or he certainly wouldn't be in the first team. No one expected him to be Newcastle United's first choice left back at this stage in his Newcastle United career. And I think the fact that they brought in Lewis Hall, a teenager, and didn't go out and sign an established left back like your best mate over in Milan, um, Hernandez, that, that shows you just what Eddie Howe and the transfer team and the club think about Dan Byrne. And then they've given him an extended deal as well. Well, that's the thing. Even if you rewind just as, as you know, close as the start of the summer and you'd ask fans right where do they need to strengthen a lot of people were still saying then even after Burns storm and season last season they're still saying we need a you know an upgrade at left back Eddie Howe as you say clearly didn't think that was the case Lewis Hall comes in to be the understudy um, and I think he just continues to prove the doubt is wrong you know there's still people that don't believe in him I mean you know even you and John Gibson were having a debate over him a couple of weeks ago and yeah, and after that, he goes and you know pulls out one of his best performances against PSG. Every turn, every time he gets doubted, he just continues to prove everyone wrong. And as you say, the story is what makes it so good. You know, pushing trolleys and Asda 10, 15 years ago, struggling to make it at you know these lower league clubs before finally getting you know a shot at his boyhood club at the age of twenty nine. I mean, it's there's still hope for you, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so with my knees. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it, it it's such a great story, and you're right. I I think the debate about him. And the constant, is he, is he right for Newcastle United? Do they need a new left? But what, what is the future in that position? I think that just adds fuel to the fire for him and that'll just add as a motivation. And I think that you've just read out the, the quote there, he didn't just want to be a stopgap. I think that means he's well aware. He's well aware of the debates that goes on on podcasts and on YouTube and in the pubs and the clubs about Dan Byrne, Newcastle United left half. But as you say, every time he has a below average game by his standards that he's set, the next game, he just seems to find something in him which goes, OK, that was a little bit of a blip. He is Newcastle's left back. And I'm all for it. And do you know what the other thing is? It's just a really proud moment for him. You know, ladies and gents listening and watching, let yourselves get a bit emotional. Because as you say, he's been on the journey. He's a boyhood Newcastle United fan, released from the club at the age of 12. He's just living out your dream, our dream. You know, most wanting to be footballers. He's doing it. And he's doing it so damn well as, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
does he still maybe, is he still a little bit underrated? Does he still, you know, get more stick? A little bit like Miggy, you know, they're the players that they always are seen as the, the scapegoats because they're maybe not the flashy name. But as I say, you know, one of the most impressive things for me about him is the fact that he just continues to, to prove everyone wrong whenever he's doubted. Yeah, I do think teams try and target Dan Byrne, but very few teams have actually got the better of him. And especially the PSC wingers who you expect on paper to be beating him, you know, every time they go up against him. But he just seems to find an extra extension in his legs, extra pace. He's a very, very good defender. He reads the game really well and he gives his all. He's also been helped, I think, by the fact he's got Anthony Gordon playing in front of him who tracks back, mm-hmm. puts in the effort. And them two have got a real partnership. And also the rest of the defence as well. I think that is a really good thing about what we've seen over the last year. They work as a unit, so they cover each other. And I think... The way they do play it maybe is a bit of a, an admittance that, okay, maybe he hasn't got the pace that you, you, you need long-term in that position, but we'll cover Dan Byrne and we'll cover him because he brings he's an important cog to that back four, to the team. And yeah, I think when teams do try and get the better of him, when they do underestimate him, they're found out very quickly. That Gordon point is a, is a crucial one because how many times last season were we talking about Maxi and how it didn't work with him and Byrne because they were too you know, left short? How well did it work when you had Joe Linton or Joe Willock down that left-hand side able to cover him? Um, and I think I brought this up a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when we were talking about Dan Byrne. Um, and I had a couple of texts from friends you know, that I used to work with in London. They were talking about you know, Champions League football returning to St. James's and they were talking about, oh, I can't wait to see you know, Dan Byrne against Mbappe. And it was sort of like this joke thing of, oh my God, you know, Dan Byrne's going to get absolutely rinsed by Mbappe. And I know he was obviously on the opposite flank, but the performance that Dan, P- Dan Byrne put in against PSG, I mean, it was helped by Usman Dembele being you know, pretty poor. I would have fancied Dan Byrne in that form to get the better of Mbappe that night. So... Yeah, it just goes to prove, you know, how far he's came. And I think, you know, even he probably wouldn't have imagined this would be the case 18 months down the line after signing. Yeah, like we say, a tremendous story. And he says it means everything to me to play for this club and to sign a new contract. Feels even more of an achievement signing this one than it was actually signed here in the first place. Because I think that represents how far Newcastle United have come. Now, I've, I've done a video for our YouTube channel where I've, I've asked the question, would you rather Newcastle United finish in the top four this season but sacrifice a cup? Or would you rather them win a cup and sacrifice the, the top four? And to be in that discussion and actually, well, actually, in my opinion, top four is the most, that's a mark of how far they've come. And it, like Dan Byrne says there, him signing a new contract at this stage when they are playing in the Champions League, when they're going to be going for the top four again, and people thought he was coming in just to make the numbers up. Yeah, and I think what was quite telling the other day was the reaction to the contract news. You know, every single person was, you know, delighted for Byrne, thought it was well-deserved, had no qualms about it. And as I say, if you just rewind to the start of the summer, there was people saying, OK, well, this is the position we need to strengthen. Byrne, yes, he's been a good servant, but it's time for him to maybe drop to a squad player. And now, after what has been a very, very good start of the season for him, I think, you know, that public perception is starting to turn, I think. I just would love uh, to be a fly on the wall not just on the wall, actually inside his mind, what he's thinking. I mean, scoring against PSG, and then you get a new deal, which is going to take to the next couple of years. I mean, what must be going through his mind? I mean, it, very, very right. But I think also you can say that about Longstaff, you can say that about Anderson, you can say that about Paul Dummett, I bet, after the Manchester City game. I would have loved to know what his reaction was, you know, to all that praise after so long on the sidelines. So it's just part of a, a collective, you know, Burn is... is 
one of the main men now, but there's so many players behind the scenes, Lascelles, these players that are just, you know, benefiting from, from working with Eddie Howe. Sammy Carrick says, I've literally never seen Dan Byrne have a bad game. An absolute rock. Um, and spawn. Alan says, was just about to say it is time. Uh, <clears throat> I can't read that comment. Top four in a cup will come under these owners. I'm not sure, <clears throat> sorry, what he's saying there about Dan Byrne. But anyway, there's lots of comments praising Dan Byrne and the new contract. Um, Eddie Howe said in the quotes, announcing the new deal, Dan is a leader on and off the pitch, so we're delighted he has extended his stay with us. He's a key part of our squad and has played a huge role in our progress since his arrival. Talk to me about these leaders and, and, and first off, the role that Dan Byrne plays in that leadership group. For Dan Byrne, I think it, it might sound stupid, but one of the the most telling moments about what Dan Byrne brings to this team is that daft dance he did on Sky Sports. Do you know what I mean? That, that type of dress room camaraderie, him and Longstaff, the relationship they've got is absolutely fantastic. And it's crucial to what Eddie Howe wants to build this team. You know, his mantra is you need to be a good guy as well as a good person. And Dan Byrne certainly is that. Very, very interesting. I mean, you know, for those who um, pick up a match day programme every, every time they go to St. James's, it used to just be a message from Eddie Howe and a message from the captain at the start of the programme. Now it's a message from the leadership group. And each of the players take it in turns to, to you know, sort of give a message to the fans before a game. And I think you look around that dressing room now and you haven't just got Trippier and themselves, you've got a lot of players now who are stepping into that mould. Callum Wilson fits that bill. Dan Byrne, Fabian Scher, even Sean Longstaff, despite the fact he's only 25, has got a real huge role in this dressing room now. Um, I think what's, what's, what's really good about it is that the leadership group is, is split. You've got experience, the yeah. likes of Kieran Trippier, the likes of Callum Wilson. And then you've got Dan Byrne, who's, as you say, 29, so he's got that experience. 31. He's 31 now. 29 so when he signs. Looks sorry. 29. Um, 31, so he is my age. There's still hope for me. Um, but obviously, he's got that experience. And I was thinking when you said it then, I heard it the first sorry, time. Sorry, he, he was looking when really he young. Signed, he was 29, is what I was trying to say. Sorry. Apologies there, Dan. Um, but yeah, he's got that Premier League experience, but he also knows what this club means to the city, to the fans, to, the, to you guys listening and watching. And I think that's really important to get that message out because when you have this perceived open checkbook and you go out and sign the stars like Bruno, like Sandra Tenori, like Alexander Isak, you know, players who are going to come in, they're going to want to win things, you know, big, big players who could have gone to big, big clubs. You still need that undercurrent of local lads yeah. who know exactly what it means to pull on that black and white shirt. And when things are going bad, which they will again, you know, we have to say it, there will be bumps in the road. They will pull, you know, the rest of the team up and say, look, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. And when things are going well, i.e. the Champions League game against PSG, they will celebrate it like they've won a cup. You know, they've just scored. But they will they will be able to tell the story. I mean, imagine being in the dressing room before that Champions League uh, anthem played and uh, you've got Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy, Dan Byrne, you know, these players who can just deliver the message, you know, talk about the 3-2 against Barcelona, talk about their dads telling them or their granddads telling them about Bob Moncur lifting the cup in 69. You know, it's really important to have that undercurrent of, of Geordies who can just, you know, really relay the message home. Yeah, and you know what it is? I think this, it, it goes even further back to them appointing Eddie Howe because I think if you'd gone from big European exotic name to replace Steve Bruce... I'm not so sure I would have seen the likes of Dan Byrne and Matt Target signed in January. Can you really imagine Antonio Conte saying, oh, OK, I want to go out and sign 
Dan Byrne. I, d- I don't think he would have. I don't think managers like Poch or whoever else was mentioned, or Emery maybe, I don't think there would have been that focus on getting local lads in the dressing room. Eddie Howe gets that. It's what he wants. Um so yeah, just really, it's really working. It's, it is it's, working. It's, it's paying off, charm. isn't it? I, I suppose the next question is who might be next. So they've signed up Callum Wilson, they've signed up Bruno and uh, Dan Byrne as well. You've though got Fabian Scher, Jamal LaSalle, Matt Ritchie, Emil Kraft, Paul Dummett and Javier Manquillo out of contract in the summer to come. Now, I think you can pretty much say goodbye to Manquillo and Matt Ritchie, mm-hmm. although I would offer Matt Ritchie some sort of coaching deal. I think that would be a really big benefit to Newcastle United. But in terms of playing contract, I think you can pretty much send them out the door. Surely, though, a year's deal at least has to come for Fabian Scher and Jamal LaSalle, right? Yeah, I mean, you would you would definitely imagine so. I mean, Fabian Scher has, has came out this week and said that he obviously wants to stay put. Very, very promising, especially given where he was just a couple of years ago. Jamal LaSalle, I think it's going to be the same stance that Eddie Howe took in the summer. For as long as you want to be here, there's a place for you. Um, it just sort of comes down to whether he wants to play. I think this run in the team's probably swayed him more towards saying, OK, you know, I've still got a role to play here. And the other way, the fact that he's performing so well has yeah. probably swayed those who are making the decisions that actually he is worth another 18 months. 100%, yeah. So I think those are the two out of the, the names that you've just mentioned. Um, but yeah. What about Emil Kraft? I mean, it depends on his fitness. I, I feel so bad for him because he was doing so well before that injury and he's just been hit by arguably one of the worst injuries you can really be hit by. I mean, you know all about it, don't you? How are you doing, first off? <laughs> I'm OK, thank you. You're working yeah. back to I'm it. I'm working back to it. Uh, Kraft is also working back to it, playing for the Unit 23s, and he's, you, you will probably see him feature, you would think, um, in the, maybe the first round of the, of the FA Cup, perhaps in January. Um, but it really is a, it's a, big, it's a big few months for him because right now, you would probably say, unfortunately, he's on his way out, wouldn't you? Yeah, unless by you know some sort of minor miracle he manages to to get a spell in the first team, but with Livermento you know coming in, I, I can't really see that happening. Should anything happen to trip, yeah, as you say, it's really really disappointing. You know, one of the sort of forgotten men that really really improved under Eddie Howe in that first season. I mean, from you know a player who was all at sea at times under Bruce. Well, we joke, don't we? We joke about fan clubs on this podcast, but if you had a, a fan club, not a fan club, but you had a, a club of players who have improved under Eddie Howe, you'd, you'd, you'd be wooden out of space. And he, exactly. was, he was on the verge of getting his own little card and joining the likes of Joe Linton and Longstaff. 100% he generally was. I don't think that's even an over-exaggeration. His improvement was absolutely fantastic in that first season. Um, so look, very, very positive to see that he's been back with the under-21s. You know, hopefully he does manage to find himself in some senior match day squads before the new year. But I think the jury's out on that one. They'd have to go out, though, and sign in a third right back, you would think, wouldn't they? they, they Unless Ash becomes back. Oh, of course, Mr. down at Swansea. He's not doing too badly, is he? So uh, maybe one to watch out there. But, yeah, you would say Cher and Lascelles definitely um, to extend their, their stays and then craft maybe up in the air. I mean, Paul Dummett. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an interesting one, don't it? Because obviously he did so well against Manchester City, and then we haven't really seen him. I don't know. I think I think the jury's still out on that one as well. I wonder though. Again, like you know, it, is he going to want to leave Tyneside? So even if they say, look, we're not going to offer you a playing contract, is there something they can do again? Maybe take his coaching badges and either keep him in and around the club because again, he's one of those who can just relay the story to whatever superstar they sign next about how important uh, pulling the black and white shirt on is to the to the fans who play their money to come and watch them. Um, 
You do then look ahead, though, to the summer of 2025. So, obviously, Dan Burns' contract has been extended until then. You've got Wilson, you've got Trippier, Longstaff, and Joe Linton. Their deal's all run out in the summer of 2025. So, some big decisions to be made then. You might think, whoa, whoa, why are we talking about a couple <laughs> of years down the line? But that's going to come around sooner than you think because, obviously, you get to next summer, 2024, then they've only got 12 months to run on the contract. Then you get a January, and you could think, oh, they're gonna, someone's going to get them on the cheap. So, let's, let, let, let's go through the names. Dan Burn. What do you do in the summer of 2025? I know it's a little bit hard to predict. I know, but... But I think, you know, especially the decisions on Longstaff and Joe Linson, Trippier maybe a little bit in limbo because what's he going to be then, 35? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 34, 35. Dan Burns going to be 33. It's it's a long way off. I think I think of the names you've, you've mentioned, Sean Longstaff, Talks on going for a new deal for him, which is very, very positive, well deserved. Um, Joe Linton as well, looking to get him tied down. There's hearing that he might be coming, be getting the same wages as Bruno, which would automatically take him to, you know, top or second top spot. Uh, but yeah, those two getting those two tied down is key, Longstaff and Jordan, because all of a sudden, I mean, there's nothing to suggest that either of them are going to leave or, you know, they wouldn't let them run down on a free anyway. But those are the two that you really need to. To keep tied up. And not to labour the point, but isn't it a little bit crackers that we're talking about <laughs> Newcastle United under uh, the richest owners in club football and we're talking about them in the summer of 2025 with Sean Longstaff yeah. and Joe Linson getting new deals. You would imagine maybe a three-year deal, a four-year deal, taking them to maybe even 2030 and they're playing major parts in a Newcastle United squad and team that you would hopefully be expecting a challenge for the Premier League title back in the Champions League and going all great guns in domestic cups. Sean Longstaff and Joe Linton playing a major part in that. It still blows my mind slightly. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I was reminded the other day, and it was a, a compl- something I'd completely forgot about, Everton trying to sign Sean Longstaff for a million pound not too long ago. And now, I mean, what price would he be now if you were to sell him? More expensive than Scott McTominay, probably. Yeah, though, probably, right? yeah. That's going to haunt you. That's going to haunt you. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's flying for Scotland. Yes, yes. Uh, the same for Jolinton as well. I mean, you'd be looking at uh, Jolinton, you could probably see 100 million, I think, quite easily. Um, and Sean Longstaff. The thing is, you pay the England premium as well. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about that. But then you've got to think, well, who's, who's going to come and buy him? Who's going to persuade him? to leave Newcastle United yeah. when they're on this journey and he's playing such a big role in it. Well, that's the thing. Nobody, you would think. Because he's the reason that Bruno Gumeresh is playing so well at the moment. Yeah. Like well, he, he is, he's, he's the, the main, he's the, he's the key to Bruno, I think. He's one of the main reasons, and I'll, I'll, I'll probably stop short of saying he is the main reason, but he's <laughs> one of the main reasons Newcastle United are back in form. I mean, it, it is actually mental to think how better off Newcastle United are with him starting than we're not. They just look a completely different team. And when you've got a midfield that's packed with so much talent, it's just refreshing, as you would say, to see the academy man, you know, shining above them all. So I think, yeah, you know, fantastic to see that Sean Longstaff's going to get a new deal and they're hoping to get that concluded. Um, I think it's just a really, really positive step. What do you think it does for players like Dan Byrne, who knew, you know, his deal was was, was coming uh, to an end, and then they say, "Well, here's a new deal. We'll, we'll give you a year's extension." Same to Callum Wilson, and 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 to Bruno. I know it's a different sort of contract. You know, it's a pay rise to, to fight off um, other teams. But what do you think it does for a player in terms of just focusing their attention, and, and they're not distracted about their future anymore? I mean, is it is it is it 
is it a distraction when you are talking about contracts and you're not sure where you're going to be in two years' time, do you think? I, I think maybe if you're getting towards the last year of your deal, you don't know whether you're in or out the team, you don't know whether your future's going to hold. I mean, for, for players like Dummett, as you say, who have... Yeah, I mean, this is all they've known their entire life. Do you know what I mean? He's never wanted to leave Newcastle. You know, I speak to people that are close to him often and they say, you know, he, he's up here and he, you know, he's had offers to go elsewhere. Um, it was similar with Alain or Jamie Sterry who, you know, had similar. He could have went and played anywhere else, but he wanted to stay in the northeast. Um So it must be a little bit distracting for those local players and, as you say, for the likes of Byrne and Wilson when their future is up in the air and that, you know, they don't know whether... In two years' time, they're going to have to relocate their family and stuff like that. Well, I think you're going to see a new deal for Alexander Isak at some point as well. I know he's got a deal until 2028, but I think the fact that Bruno signed a, a new contract and seen a pay rise, I think Isak might also follow. First off, I'll get your thoughts on that, and then if you follow up with the answer to this question, well, what do you think it does in the camp when they see players like Bruno get a big deal? Do you think other players are then looking around and thinking, well, I need to be on the same the same level, or is Newcastle a little bit different? Because I know it sounds daft, but I just look at Newcastle and you, you, you watch the videos the club put out, and you just watch the way they are together, and there's some kind of unity there, which just makes me think they're a little bit different. They're a little bit different to, to every other big club. It, it was something that we spoke about loads in the summer and the, the previous summer. You remember when there was all that talk of players Jesse Lingard coming in, how was saying no because he wanted that dressing room to be, you know. They're all on the same level. The money thing, look, how much is it going to bother them that Bruno is now, you know, one of the top earners? Sandra Tonali's came in on big money. I think we will see, as you say, the likes of Isaac, Gordon potentially getting much improved deals. I mean, it's what they deserve, though. You know, Anthony Gordon coming in and signing for, 40, yes, he came in for £40 million, but he was in and out the team. He wasn't a regular starter. He was a bit of a squad player. If he can have a full season in the first team, he should be knocking on the door and saying, well, you know, I want a pay rise. Not not saying he should be on the same as Bruno, but they're going to want improved terms. They're going to want security. They're going to want, you know, rewards for what they've offered this team. Um, but I look at that group and I think the same as you. I think it's just a group of good, you know, good mentalities. They've got good relationships with each other. I don't think you've got anyone in that camp who's going to kick up a fuss because of, you know, something as, as small as wages. I think they accept hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. Like Bruno has got that deal because he's worked hard and he has been arguably... The main man. Yeah, the best yeah. player of a, uh, the best player in black and white of a generation, I think some would argue. Isaac, a new deal in the next couple of years, maybe? Yeah, I 100% could see that with improved terms. I, and I also guess the fact that Bruno has signed a new deal and he's committed his, his future to Newcastle. And I, yes, there may be a, a release clause in there as well, but... That's only a good thing to the other players who are not too far away from his level. So, I mean, you look at someone like Anthony Gordon or like Sandro Tonardo, like even Kieran Trippier to an extent. You go, you know, the the club are serious in what they're trying to do. You know, they're signing the best players down to extended deals, and you know that gives you hope as a as a player. I think as a as a future arrival as well. That's not you know hide away from the fact they'll have irons in the fire for January ready, and you're looking at it and you're thinking, well wow, okay, they've signed Bruno down for another couple of years. Brilliant stuff. You know, they're serious. They're not just here to make up the numbers. You know, it gives you it gives you hope that there's a long-term plan. It, it does. And it, it, what it also offers is security. Now, I always go back to Arsenal and, uh, you know, the last couple of years of Wenger and how many players they'd let their contracts run down, even though, you know, there were, there were key players. Aubameyang had his contract run down. Alexis Sanchez left for nothing. Meza Ozil left for nothing. 
You know, Newcastle United do not want to end up in that position and they're not going to end up in that position by making sure they're tying their best players down now. Talking about Isaac and stuff getting a new deal, I think we will see that and I think we'll see more of these release clauses being put in. People will look at them and think they're negative, but actually they're a real positive for Newcastle. They offer them a lot of security if, for whatever reason, things went south between Bruno and the club further down the line a club aren't going to come in and lowball Newcastle and manage to pull them away on the cheap. It's a very, very smart thing to do. It is. And then if you spend the money wisely, you look at West Ham and the yeah. players they've brought in for the Declan Rice uh, money. You know, it's just a case of progression, isn't it? And every team has to do it. You look back to Kevin Keegan, Salah, Andy Cole, and what have you. Every team has to do it at some point. Man City have gone through something a little bit similar with the, with the old God, so, so to speak, leaving. It, you know, it has to happen. And as long as you protect your assets... And you get the right deal um, for your star players if someone comes knocking, then there can be positives out of it. Plenty of people in the comments. Uh, hello to Samuel watching from Liberia. Nice to see you in the chat. Alan Ads will um, have Hall as well, likely until 2025 if Newcastle make the deal permanent, which they're very much likely to do. Ian says, We uh, were laughing. At Longstaff for forty million, he's referring to Manchester United <laughs> back in the day offering um, crazy money for a, a young uh, Longstaff. He makes a point that um, it's quite the turnaround. Um, and he says, uh, when Trips has done, what about him joining Eddie's team for coaching? Betty fits in there. I mean, the amount of ex-player or the amount of current players we're getting when they retire to be coaches at Newcastle United, we're going to have to borrow Chelsea's architect to extend the dressing room, I think. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Joking aside, that really does reaffirm and emphasise the leaders they've got in the dressing room, which you want to keep around and pass that wealth of experience and leadership on to, to the younger players coming through the ranks. 100%. And Matt Ritchie, I know we've already sort of briefly spoken about, but he's the key man that we always bring up when we're talking about potentially they were moving into the coaching thing. You know, he's doing his coaching badge with the club. He's coaching academy sessions. He's really trying to get his foot in the door at the club so that even though he's not playing... He's still helping out. And I think we'll start to see that with Dummett, potentially even Lascelles further down the line. You know, I could definitely see him sticking around. Kieran Trippier is an absolute no-brainer if that's what he wants to do. You can imagine him, though, being a, a good coach and a good manager. And that's someone Newcastle should probably try and keep around. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. Uh, Ian also makes the claim that Eddie is a genius. I genuinely think we have the new Alex Ferguson. Bold shout, bold shout. Thoughts? Yeah, look, Stavely, Stavely said, didn't she? She thought they had their Newcastle's equivalent of, of Fergie Manu and the sound how, and we all sort of laughed, but maybe we're, we're not laughing so much now. And uh, Jordy Toon for life says player salaries should be uh, rewarded on the pitch, not because someone else has earned by signing a new contract. I don't think you'll find anyone disagreeing with you there. Ian also makes a point, release clauses are just part of the game. Um and someone <laughs> makes a point of Lingard listened, he might be a better player. Um, no doubt about that. Um, now, we're going to spend a few moments talking about England and Gareth Southgate. We briefly mentioned it at the start of the show, and I've written a piece that'll go up online later this week. Basically, just, I mean, look, it's no secret, I despise the international break. I don't like international football. I love watching the tournaments, but I'm not a really big fan of watching England. I just like watching football. Uh, but not during the international break. I don't like qualifiers. I don't like friendlies. I sound like that uh, nanny on Mrs. Doubtfire who says, I don't do tea, I don't do maths. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't like international breaks. Um, and I'll be honest, the, 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 I, I don't see England under Gareth Southgate winning a major honour. I don't think his teams are refreshing. I don't think his teams are good to watch. 
I don't think they're tested against the very best. So when they come up against the very best in a competitive arena, they can beat them. I think they're boring. And I think a large part of it is down to the fact that he will not pick players in form. Now, this is a Newcastle United podcast, and people will say, you're talking about long staff, you've got your, your blinkers on. Hey, Longstaff deserves a call-up to this England squad. Does Dan Byrne, I can't see where he really fits in. He's been brilliant, but does he fit into the England squad with everyone else they've got? Probably not. Um, Nick Pope, does he deserve to be back in? You could argue yes. But Sean Longstaff, 100% deserves to be back in that England squad. But he's just not been picked. And I think it just reaffirms the fact that Southgate's doing it all wrong for me. And the supporters of other teams will be able to give examples of where informed players who should be in the England squad or not? Am I being harsh on, on Southgate in England here? No, um, no, I think I think you've got some some valid points on the on the players he picks. I know that he's got this real sort of affinity for picking Calvin Phillips and Harry Maguire, and there's a couple of players that you think, you know, you can't be picking these players on form. I mean, I'm really really surprised to see Nick Pope left out the last two. I can't for the life of me work out why that is. Um, Anthony Gordon is the real head scratcher for me, more so than Longstaff, especially given what he did in the summer. Um, and the form he saw of the season, and I thought it was an absolute knocking bet when Saka picked up his injury and Eze picked up a little knock that Lagoon wouldn't be in the team. And yet you see him picking Saka, maybe as a little bit of a double bluff. There's been talk that Arsenal wanted him to do it so that you know clubs would think he wasn't injured. Um, I just can't, I can't see why Gorn's not in that squad and Pope is, is, is the second man. Longstaff, I can... Long stuff I can I can take or leave. Yes, he's been absolutely instrumental to this team, but, but I think the other two have got bigger claims to be to being the England squad. Anthony Gord, I admit, I've, when I was on my run, I totally forgot about him. You know, he should be also in the England squad, especially with the injuries that you, you've mentioned. I just look at though the midfield and I think, how is John Henderson not only in that squad mm-hmm. but captain in England? Like you've. You've sold out. You've gone to Saudi Arabia. That league may become one of the best leagues in the world in time, but right now it is not. I saw a clip of the day and it, it, it remarked that Henderson played in, in front of a crowd of less than 1,000. Yeah, 960, wasn't it? He's a very good player. It's... But how good can he be in a, in, a, in a league which is just developing? It's just starting to emerge. You know, He's, he, he's not going to get any better. And I just think if he's gone there, you've got to be looking at players who are in the Premier League playing at the very highest level and are in form and doing it week in, week out. And Sean Longstaff is one of several names who should have been in that England squad ahead of Jordan Henderson. And Harry Maguire is another one. I just I just don't get me. How is Calvin Phillips in it? On Henderson, uh, me personally, I think there's a reason Henderson left Liverpool. I think it's because he just wasn't good enough to be there anymore. He'd already been phased out as they were doing that midfield rebuild. I, I just think he's past it now, John. He could still do a 30, job, though, couldn't he? In the Palace side or a, you know, a lower league. Maybe. League yeah, I mean, yeah, look, I'm not defending his move to Saudi. I think every time he opens his mouth and talks about it, he makes it worse and he continues to dig that hole. Just to open up and say you left because you were getting high water and sums of money. You know, We can talk all day about you know the stance on the LGBT and what he's done for them and all that, but he's not a player in form. And he's not playing in the best league in the world. Calvin Phillips is a very, very good player on his day, but he's not playing for Manchester City. He had an absolute stinker against Newcastle United, let's be honest. He doesn't probably have a future at Manchester City. He shouldn't be in that team on form. Harry Maguire cannot get into that Manchester United team, and when he does, he's at fault for a lot. 
So I, I, I don't, I, I can see why Southgate does it because he's loyal to these players and what they've given him. But that's not, you know, you need to be ruthless. We talk about Eddie Howe need to be ruthless. Gareth Southgate, you've only got such a limited window to actually win something with England. You know, you've got arguably the golden generation here. You know, people will hop back to the the noughties when they had Beckham and Scholes and Gerrard and Lampard and they couldn't win anything. You look at the players that they've got now, they could generally win something. On your point about them not winning anything, look, I think this tournament will probably be Southgate's last anyway next year. Yes, they've done very well in previous tournaments, but when push comes to shove and they face the big teams, they face France and Germany and the Italy's, they can never get it done. Their record of beating teams in the last two tournaments is woeful. Sweden, Colombia, you know, any time they come up against a good team, they lose. Um, on the Newcastle United matter, though, for me, I think Gorn should be in. I can't understand how Nick Pope isn't in that three again, unless he's asked to not play, which I can't see. Longstaff, I can I can take or leave. I'd love to see him in there, but I, I don't think he's a knocking bet. And I can't see Dan Byrne getting in there. But for me, Gordon should be really, really disappointed to not be in. We've had it before, haven't we? Joe Willick was on a blinding bit of form yeah. when there was talk about him getting into the squad. I just think it's so detrimental when you're picking players who are your, your favourites. It and, just doesn't work. And also, Gareth Southwick came out last season and got all these stats up and said, England don't have enough players playing in the Champions League. He then goes and watches Newcastle United beat PSG 4-1 and 24 hours later, he announces that it's only trip here in the squad so you cannot uh, have watched know. that PSG game and not have been impressed by John Longstaff yeah but I mean look in Southgate's defence I will play Dallas Africa and say maybe the, the squad had already picked itself by then and now 24 hours before the announcement but still you've seen enough of Anthony Gordon in this season you've seen enough of him in the summer getting player of the tournament for England under 21 this is a, this is the strange one about Gordon because usually when people talk about Southgate and his England choices they, they talk about how a lot of these players have been through the ranks, you know, so they know how the setup is. They've been at St George's Park and they've mingled with with the, with the pro, the first team pros. Yeah. It's a, it's a transition, you know, it's just a natural transition to the first team squad. But Anthony Gordon is arguably the best player or informed player he was in the summer in that under twenty ones. So where's the transition? Why mm-hmm. hasn't he been afforded that transition? Is he biding his time? Is he waiting? He hasn't waited for other players of, the, of a similar age. I. I don't get it. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand the Gordon one. I think largely because of what he did in the summer with England, largely because of how he's came back and been a real key man in this Newcastle team. He's found goals. He, he's, he's just improving every week, and I just can't for the life of me understand why, as as Ian says here in the comments, he's the obvious choice. Yes, yes. I mean, if I, he's also Gareth Southgate's talked talked a lot about Elliot Anderson. Um, and if I'm Elliot Anderson, I'm walking into the dressing room, maybe just having a bit of banter with Sean Longstaff, and he's mentioned me more times than I've mentioned you. Very true, yeah, he has. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it blows my mind. And, and, and to, be f- to be quite brutally honest and frank, Sean Longstaff can continue at the fantastic level he's playing at all the way through this season, and I don't think he's going to get a call-up. Mm. I don't think Sean Longstaff will ever get an England call-up. And I feel really sorry for him. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I would argue with that. I think it's it's wrong. I think if he continues in this vein of form, he should definitely be in the conversation. It's a very, very crowded field. But if Jordan Henson's getting in, you'd have to make the argument that long stuff could. Sammy says here, yeah, I just think it's a myth. We've got some world-beaten players in the squad. Bowen, Gallagher, Henderson, Watkins, so far from world-beaters. The only world-class players are Jude, Kane and Trippier. Now... I think it's interesting because world class 
Okay, no, but you've got some very... I mean, Bowen's a fantastic player. You walk into this Newcastle United squad. I love there. Watkins as well. Um, I think Watkins, yeah, is a very good uh, good strike. Uh, no no, no wonder Aston Villa tied him down. Gallagher, I just don't get. I, I don't get the links to Newcastle consistently. I don't get how he just seems to always get in that England squad. And as we've spoken about Henderson's, uh, you know, on the road to being past it, he's not already uh, down it. It's, yeah, it, it is bizarre and... You know, I do feel sorry for, for Longstaff, Willick, Dan Byrne. They're not going to get their chance. But let's flip it. Mm-hmm. Is it a good thing? It, it is. In, in a sense, it's a good thing. I don't want them playing meaningless friendlies or whatever against Australia. I want them it, on Tyneside with their feet up, getting some re- rest and relaxation in there, ready for Crystal Palace on Saturday with no jetting around the world. That, in a sense, is a positive. When you look at the Newcastle injuries that have been building up and the run of games and this packed schedule... Maybe there's a bit of you thinking, okay. Maybe there's a bit of Eddie Howe thinking, okay. I'm glad that it's only trip you're out there with England. I, 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 well, actually, it's interesting to say that. So he's his oldest player. I mean, he, he must have some engine on him. Mm-hmm. But with that, yeah, I think if you're long staff, you're looking at it. Maybe thinking, look, I'd love to play for my country. I think I'm good enough to be in that that squad. But I've got Palace coming up, and then I've got Dortmund coming up. I've got you yeah. know a, a Carabao Cup, a last sixteen match coming. I've, there's a busy few weeks coming up before the next. Oh my God! The next international break. <laughs> How is there another one coming up? It's not too far away, and we'll. I will. There's a question or two based around the next international break later in the show. But yeah, I think you take the positives. Like you say, they're not at risk of injury, um, and the, uh, the the squad was looking tired against West Ham. They'd, yeah. they'd worked their backside off against uh, PSG. They were looking to need a rest. So yes, hopefully they've got their feet up, and they are. Um, and just sorry, just before we move on from this topic, one thing that I found really, really interesting in the international break so far, one of the few things I found interesting during this break from football, John Carver coming out and saying that Scotland are not only trying to get Elliot Anderson to play for them, they also want Harvey Barnes and Tino Livermento. That'll be very, very interesting. Now that Scotland are qualifying for tournaments, back-to-back tournaments, it might not be the worst thing in the world if they say, OK, you know what, we're not going to get into Gareth Southgate's team. Let's go and play for Scotland in a really, really improving country. You, you do think that though, at least Ali Anderson, not so much Harvey Barnes, but Ali Anderson's a little bit in limbo because if, as expected, Gareth Southgate goes after the next tournament, then you're waiting to see who comes in. Someone yeah. might have a totally different approach where they, they, they do pick in a mixture of experience and, and, and form. So, you know, what do you do? I I, I always look at Billy Gilmore moving to, to Brighton and the Potter and then hmm. Potter moving to Chelsea like a day later. And I'm thinking maybe that's what, you know, some of these players are waiting for in terms of early answer before he makes his decision. Or does that answer him, well, look, even if the manager changes, I've still got more opportunity of playing international football with Scotland. Mm. They look like they're going to be established contenders um, or at least qualifiers in the major European and World Cups in years to come. I'll take my chances then. Yeah, really interesting to see what Anson did because obviously he joined up with Scotland in September. He got the call. Apparently he'd had a lot of conversations with Steve Clark, who had persuaded him that it was the right decision for him to make. And I said, yeah, OK, I'm going to go. I'm going to play for Scotland. I'm going to pledge my allegiance to them started training with them for two or three days and then all of a sudden said, hmm, OK, hang on, I've been a bit too rash, I want to pull out, I don't want to sort of be there. Now, as you say, I mean, Southgate's talked about him, but, you know, we haven't even brought him up there about knocking on the door for England. He's been very, very good, but I wouldn't say he's 
close to being England level yet. Not in the players you've got playing in that position. Do you know what? Though? It would not surprise me if suddenly Southgate called them up and, and <laughs> didn't call up someone like Longstaff or Willick. Um, you, you know, he's got history of kind of just making left field choices of, of the youngsters. But yes, a very interesting uh, uh, dilemma there. The final thing on England and internationals. I saw a tweet the other day which put out the best start eleven for England, and it had Kyle Walker as the right back. Is Kyle Walker in there ahead of Kieran Trippier? Uh, if you were picking everyone who's fit and raring to go, you know, first first game of um, the next the next tournament, is Kyle Walker ahead of um, Kieran Trippier? Mm, no, but but I, but I love Kyle Walker so much that I, that I'd be tempted to to maybe put Trippier left back for England. I like him at left back for England, and I love Kyle Walker, but I think. Trippier is actually a, a, a more well-rounded player than Kyle Walker. Uh, Les says, at least Trippier is well enough to protect his fitness when in the England camp. Too many return less than fit when they've left. And a lot of people saying how lucky Tino Livermento is to be working alongside Kieran Trippier yeah. um, as the best right-back in the world, in many people's opinion, and what Tino Livermento can learn from Kieran Trippier going forward. Right then, we're going to finish off looking at the season so far. So Newcastle United currently lie eight on the table on 13 points. Four wins, one draw and three defeats. How are you summing up the season so far? Um, solid. I'd say very, very impressive to see how they've turned it around after the first couple of games. I was starting to get a little bit worried after Brighton. The manner of the performance, the defeat, the way they were just completely you know, playing off the park. In some sense, um, so really, really impressed with how they've done between international breaks. Um, I'd say it's been a it's been a good start of the season, especially when you factor in the the European results so far. Definitely, I think to be eighth in the table, I think it's what seven points off the top. You know, given the start and the rocky yeah. start they had, and you see that Brighton game, it wasn't flowing. They didn't look as fit as they they did at the, the end of last season. It looked like a bit disjointed. Questions about Tenari and Bruno and, and X Y Z, they've come together. And the most refreshing thing, yes, it's time for that segment. The most refreshing thing is <laughs> they've worked out the West Ham game aside um, in recent weeks how to defend again because that was one of the big big worries. They could not keep a clean sheet all the way through kind of 2023 really, and they've suddenly worked out how to do it again. And look, they're going to have days where they concede goals. For the large part, they look like they're back to their best in keeping the opposition quiet. And not only are they back to their best defensively, they're doing it without Sven Botman, or they've been doing it without Sven Botman. I mean, you know. Jamal Lasalle for England? <laughs> well, Southgate did bring him up last week, funnily enough. Another did, man, did I miss that? Yeah, another man who uh, got a little nod from uh, Southgate, apart from, uh, instead of Longstaff. He wasn't, talking about, he wasn't talking about calling him up, but he was asked about Newcastle United players and. Southgate said, well, I was there last night watching PSG. It's great to see Jamal Lascelles, who we had in the under-21s. Gareth, call Jamal Lascelles up and everything is forgiven, <laughs> right? Everything. He, was, he, was, he did name-drop Lascelles. <laughs> he did name-drop uh, Dan Byrne as well and just said how good it is that players like that are, are getting their moment in Europe. But, yeah, he still won't call them up. So, But, yes, good to, words. good to see them, you know, just being strong again at the back. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And as you say, that, that Brighton game, going back to it, had that last international break, I mean, they were all over the shot with the back. Nick Pope was having a really, really poor spell by his lofty standards. I think he's improved in recent games. Still a few issues and I'd like to see ironed out a little bit 
better with his feet. I still have my heart in my mouth every time he comes out of his. Well, I texted uh, you, didn't I? That, that West Ham, the West Ham goal. Just what, what's he doing? Just yeah. stop it because he doesn't. He does it every single game as well, and he's been really lucky. And then West Ham, he gets caught. Just st- someone needs to just say, look, stop on your line. Just mm. don't come out because. It, it, it best you're going to give some people a bit of a, an giant attack. At worst, you're going to concede a goal uh, like you did against West Ham. Yeah, it does. It does still put a little bit of fear in you, but I think he's. Be, I think his shot stopping has been much improved since the the sort of run of games where they were. He's losing. the best shot stopper in the Premier League. See, I, I, I cannot work out how he's been left out the last two minutes. Well. Some people are saying here is, is his kicking is one thing we saw against PSG. He kicked three in the touch, and then <laughs> yeah. you have. Let's be honest. His decision making when the ball is coming towards him is a is a little bit. Uh, it's hit and miss. He does get it right sometimes, but other times, he, he, I mean, you only have to look back at that Liverpool game last season. But for the life of me, I can't, I can't work out how he's not how he's not getting an England squad. It makes me feel like something's just don't don't go down that road. Just not right. Okay, with 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 Nick Poe. Yeah, I thought you were going to try and promote a Newcastle United um, conspiracy theory there, but about. About someone being against Newcastle. Oh no, 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 no! Please, that's, right. I that's don't... okay. Because I was going to shoot you down. <laughs> eh, but yes. Um, do you think Newcastle are handling the pack schedule? Because a lot of games have uh, have been played. European nights. You have got the Carabao Cup. You know, let's make no bones about they will want to beat Manchester United in the next round, and they're more than capable of doing it in the Carabao Cup. You have got two games back to back in the Champions League coming up in Dortmund. It's a busy schedule. Are they handling it all right? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you know, given the turnaround from the last international break to now, the amount of games they've had packed into a short schedule, the injuries they've had, I mean, you know, such bad luck with Harvey Barnes, Sven Botman, Joe Willock still not back, Joe Linton being out, you know. The players that they've had missing and the performances they've put in shouldn't really be happening. So I think they're managing absolutely so fine. You're saying that they're at, they're at such a good level right now without players who yeah, you would argue 100%, are in that first team. 100%, yeah. That's, what, that's what's been key is the depth. I mean, the cells and Dummett coming in, as we've spoken about, Elliot Anderson's coming in and making it that position his own. Gorn continues to fire when Barnes isn't in the team. Longstaff has came back in and, and is managing to keep Tenali out. They've got players there that should really be their squad rotation players and they're coming in and performing, which is... So, yeah, they're, they're handling it at the minute. But I look at the fixtures that they've got between now and the next national break, I think, OK, they need a bit of luck with injuries. Yeah, have you got them written down? You I got do. them? Go yeah. on. So, Palace, Dortmund, Wolves, Man U, Arsenal, Dortmund, Bournemouth before the next international break in a month and a, what, a month's time. That's another hefty run of games for a squad that at the minute is, you know, they need a little bit of luck in terms of getting some players back. Because Barnes is out. Yeah. He's missing them. Willick just seems to be getting knock after knock back. So, I mean, is he going to be back? I can't see him being back. I, I, I just don't see him being back. They're not going to rush him. It's one of those injuries. Yeah. Joe Linton. Joe Linton's carrying something, clearly. I mean, you know, he was in Barcelona having, you know, his knee looked at and we all thought, OK, he's going to be weeks on the sideline. Then he comes back and plays against City. Storms it, then he picks up a hamstring injury after coming on for three minutes. He's one you've got to watch in the next couple of weeks. Um, Tonali obviously had that thigh issue in Italy. Bruno, you know, we still don't know whether he's, you know, his full fitness as we never really do. Botman, you would think would be Botman back. will be. Looks like he will be back. Um, so Bo- Wilson, 
looks like he'll be back as well. He's at carrying us some yeah, sort of knock. So, so you have to hope that the, the two weeks that they've, they've had off has helped them in, in terms of fixing the issues when it comes to to fitness. But yeah, I think I think they're handling the schedule really well. I mean, everyone loves to to talk about hangovers, European hangovers, but they've, they've kind of proved that wrong. I know they drew two two with with West Ham, but they really should have won that game. They were, you know, their own worst enemy in many ways. They're proven um, people who, who expect a, a European hangover wrong. Um, now, I know there is one more international break to come. <sighs> yes, yes. <laughs> We're big fans of it, ladies and gents. Um, one more international break to come, but who is it a big finish to the year for? Like, you're looking to January, the uh, December the 31st. Who, who are you wanting to see, you know, really surprise you or really just step it up a level? Sandro Tonali, for one. Um, I think, you know, a good middle-of-the-road start for him. Hit and miss, good performances, followed by maybe Lackless Swords. I think he's still in for the league. I would love to have him a good end to the year. Um, I know there's obviously a few things away from the pitch that are probably going to be on his mind. Um, but he's the one where I, I would really like to see a good end the finish. I would love to see a bit more game time for Ali Anderson thought he's been very very good I, I've been enjoying him in the middle of the park um, more so than out on the left I don't know why on earth he was playing through the middle for the first half at West Ham um, and look I just want Gordon to keep performing I would l- hate for this to be a sort of prolonged flash in the pan from him I would love to see him finish the year strong get that England call up next month to get it under his belt um, but those are the three that I, that I would probably point to what about you? Yeah, Tonali is an interesting one. Obviously, we, we know what's happening kind of off the pitch, which might prove a, a distraction. I'm going to go... I want to go Elliot Arneson. Mm-hmm. Now, I think he's been brilliant. He hasn't looked out of place. But what I want to see him do is just get it up the level. So when everyone is back fit, the likes of Joe Willick, Joe Linton, you've got Tonali, Bruno, Longstaff. We're not having a discussion where we go, oh, is, is blah, blah going to come in for Elliot Arneson? We're, we're saying... No, mm-hmm. Elliot Anderson is, is there and he's there to stay. Mm-hmm. I think he's capable of doing that. I want to see him add more goals to his game. I mean, the next question I've got for you, Alvin, was, was what would you really like to see between now and the, the next international break? And it's Elliot Anderson get a goal. I think it's a big few months for Elliot Anderson just to really reaffirm that he can be a major part of this, of not the squad, but the actual first team. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's more than capable of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would definitely like... I mean, you saw the, the rate he was knocking those goals in at pre-season. You know, absolutely fantastic. Um, and they've dried up a little bit as the you know the competitive games have came in. I would like to say a little bit more of Tino and Lewis Hall, um, which I think is probably a sentiment that is shared by people watching live or people listening. I think it's a... I can understand why Eddie's ease in the men. I thought Tino was so good against. But then, how would you? How where did they where did they they fit into them? Because we're talking about Dan Byrne being near enough undroppable. We're well, talking about Kieran Trippier being the world's best right back at the moment. Like, uh, wh- what can you do that sees Tino Livermento and Lewis Hall get their get their chance? Are you going to play them in the Carabao Cup against Manchester United? Are you going to play them maybe in the last Champions League game? I mean, hope of Newcastle I mean look at look at that schedule between now and and the next international break. You've got Palace on the twenty first. Dortmund four days late on the 25th, Wolves three days late on the 28th, Man United on the 1st, Arsenal on the 4th, Dortmund on the 7th. I mean, a game every three days and you're asking 31-year-old Dan Byrne and 32-year-old Kieran Trippier. Yeah, they play played most of the games no, last I, no, season, I, didn't I, they? No, I'm, I, and I'm not saying they can't do it, but I'm saying there's definitely scope in those seven games 
to give at least, I mean, Livermento against City, why wouldn't you play him in the Carabao Cup? Oh, true, he's, you, you, he's, you he's got his opportunity. And and I would like to see a little bit more of Lewis Hall. And the thing with Lewis Hall is he's so versatile. You know, it doesn't have to be him coming in for Byrne. You know, give Dan, uh, sorry, give um, Anthony Gordon a rest and play in left wing. Put him in central midfield where he played during the academy. There's there, there's absolutely opportunities for those two to play between now the next international break without the balance of the team being too skew with. Livermento and Hall should play at Manchester United in the Cup, says Jordy Toon for Life Roger says he'd love to see an Anderson brace. Ian says Anderson just needs a goal and I think he will explode. A chance for maybe Lewis Miley as well to, to, to get a shout. It'd be, it would be interesting. I think Lewis Hall was dealt a, a really difficult hand yeah, in the, in the, in the Cup game against City and it was no surprise he was taken off when he was and that, that changed the dynamic of the game whereas Tino Livermento, you know, that's his position and he absolutely excelled and you have to hope that hasn't knocked Lewis Hall back because you think you know you're a Newcastle United fan you've signed for your club this is the first start you're getting you know some would regress some would go into their into their into themselves and think oh man have I just blown the opportunity there I think it was really really positive Eddie Howe straight after the game was asked about Hall and Miley both being taken off and his response was really really positive Nothing to do with you know them. We needed more balance. We needed to change the game. It was nothing to do with their individual performances. They're both still going to be top players for this club. And if that's what he's saying to us in the press, you'd imagine he's saying the exact same, if not more behind the scenes. I don't think there'll be any hangover from that game. And here is the positivity that we're after. Jonathan says, qualify for the next round of the UEFA Champions League after four games so we can play the kids in the last two. Very, it's possible. very, like very possible. Um, and... Uh, Indy says, keep remember many of the teams we play also have schedules just as congested, so they won't be um, having too uh, much rest in between the games. Right. Um, the final question of uh, a kind of little mini review of the season so far, Aaron, is with the four Premier League games until the next break, uh, through in the Carabao Cup and the two Champions League games, where would you like Newcastle United to be? So we'll start with the Premier League. They're eighth currently. Um... Next next four Prem games, Palace, Wolves, Arsenal, Bournemouth. I mean, you're looking at it. It's quite favourable on paper. I mean, Palace at home. I you think would, Palace are a dangerous side. Palace at home, you would, you would think surely. I don't know, you know. Get over but didn't we think about that the, the season before? I mean, we, uh, yeah. Nick Pope had to yeah. pull off a few masks. Yeah, that Joe Willock um, clangor of a VAR decision as well. Oh, we've I mean, got 57 game, minutes without talking that about that game VAR. should be replayed, really, shouldn't it? Um, <laughs> Wolves away, a tricky one. I know they're not having the best start of the season, but obviously they showed against City last time out. They can they can spring a surprise. Arsenal away is really interesting because, I mean, look at that week. No, it's at home, isn't it? Sorry, Arsenal at home. That week, my United away, Arsenal at home, Dortmund away. I mean, that, you know, that game could sort of get lost in between the two cup games. Bournemouth away? Yeah. I would, I would, I would fancy Newcastle down there as well. So... Six, seven points, I think I'd, I'm hoping for. I mean, yeah. I look, your know, Palace is a difficult place. Wolves, well, you... Come on, we'll do, we'll do with the predictions. Okay. And, we, and look back on them at the next international break. Oh, you look think... at that. Right. So I think Palace a point. Okay. You think a draw. You're going... And I think we'll beat them. Okay. Wolves, away is it? Uh, yeah. A, a win for Newcastle. Okay. I'll... Go... You're going to go... I'll go draw. We're going to go I'll draw, go draw. Right. My night in the cup, I think we'll get through. Yeah, so do I. I think we'll go through. 
Arsenal is home. Yeah, I think it largely depends on 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 the, the kind of riding the wave of that cup game. If they get through, I think they're going to be buoyed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go draw. Okay. Um, I think. Let me let us know in the comments what what your predictions are for the next uh, winning games up to the next international break. I don't do I look too optimistic? Think they're gonna go and beat in again between now and next. No, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm gonna go, I think they'll I think they'll lose to Arsenal respectively. Right. And Bournemouth. They'll beat Bournemouth. Yeah, I agree. So you think they'll get eight points, and I think they'll get seven points. Look at that, Mister Negative. Here is the one predicting more points. You didn't see that one coming, did you, guys and girls? Um, and then Dortmund's. At home, I think they'll beat Dortmund, they'll at, home. Beat Dortmund at home. Away is a totally different. Um, and I remember talking about that. That's a game to come after, isn't yeah. it? Um, but I think they'll beat Dortmund at home. So there we go. We'll we'll come back to them in the next international break. Um, we're going to finish off on the trivia then. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Right. So we spent a bit of time talking about contracts. And this week's trivia, I want you to name the 10 players currently in Newcastle with the longest contracts to run. So I'll help you to get um, to, to, to begin with. You have five players with deals until 2028. Okay. Uh, in no particular order, I'll go Bruno. Yep. Isaac. Yep. Botman. He is on the list. 2027. Yep. So we'll That's give you right. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Depends on how. So just to take you behind the curtain, ladies and gents, we were five minutes late because we had to find uh, a pen that worked. We've, we've, we've grabbed four pens and I don't think any of them work. There we go. I've got that one now. Working so, right. so, so Bruno, Bruno Isaac, uh, Botman will go Sandra Tonali. Yeah. Um, we will go with Anthony Gordon. Yeah. Um, so Anthony Gordon's 2026. 20, so you've got, you've got, you've got eight um, uh, between. 2028 and 2027, and then you need two from 2026 to take up to the magic okay. number 10. Uh, Nick Pope. So Nick Pope is 2026. That's, that's your two from, from your 2026. You can name the other three if you like, and you take up to the magic 13 if you're feeling confident. No, it's okay. I'll just okay. try so and get your, 10. Got your six. So you, um, now need, you now need your... You've got two left in 2028, mm-hmm. and you've got um, two left in 2027. That would take you up to your 10. Uh Livermento. Livermento, twenty twenty eight. Um, the people in the comments uh, are smashing this, absolutely Al- smashing through. Ron. Ambron's twenty twenty six, so uh, we're gonna count on that one. Okay, so we've got you two from twenty twenty six. No. Harvey Barnes. Have you just? Oh, you've just seen that in the comments. Come on. <laughs> okay, yes, so okay. one more. Um, what? What's the last one? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. As it, I, I didn't think you'd be cheating that. This, I mean, this this guy is like a fan favorite, cheeky, quick. Cheeky. Yeah, he's a he's a little cheeky character. Um, Murphy, Jacob Murphy. Wow. There you go. There you go, ladies and gents. So Aaron got nine out of ten there because he <laughs> cheated on the tenth one and he saw Jordy Tune for life's guest of Harvey Barnes. But there you are. The uh, the ten United players at uh, the club currently with the longest contracts. There's quite a there's a there's another list, um, another few 
in the, the 2026 uh, category, including Miguel Almiron um, in that as well. Now, Anderson, too. Um, this has been everything his Black and White podcast. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. Uh, wherever you're listening through or watching through, hit follow, subscribe, leave us a rate and review, and share the podcast among your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. For myself and Aaron, we'll see you guys very soon.